0: Which are covered in bamboo and flowering rhododendron. While farther down the canyon, the forest turns to jungle and reverberates with the cries of tropical birds. Bengal tigers, some of the largest ever seen, haunt the lower gorge. Measuring from the tops of the peaks that define it, the Sangpo is the deepest river gorge in the world, three times deeper and eight times steeper than the Grand Canyon. In places, the river falls even faster. Imagine taking the Grand Canyon stretch of the Colorado River with its two-story waves and churning currents and tilting it to more than 15 times its actual steepness. Along its course, the Sangpo Po cascades over the famed Rainbow Falls, the Lost Falls of the Brahmaputra, and the Hidden Falls of Dorje Padmo. Hidden Falls wasn't documented until 1998 in a controversial race of discovery claimed by both Himalayan explorer Ian Baker and a team of Chinese scientists. One stretch of river, called the Lost Five Miles, is said to thunder through sixty to seventy cataracts, each ten feet high, in rapid succession. In an age diminished by the belief that there is no magnificent adventure left undone, the Sangpo Gorge remained a fearsome anomaly nobody had ever successfully paddled the forty four mile stretch of the upper gorge from the town of pay to clear creek beyond which high waterfalls make the gorge impassable no human being had ever traversed the length of it at river level a section of the gorge despite numerous assaults had never even been seen by a westerner now on this wide beach just below the town of pay lindgren and his paddlers set their boats on the water's edge their apprehension was palpable there was no guarantee that any of them would come back alive. The last team to make a serious attempt on the Sangpo, an American group led by Wycliffe Walker in 1998, made only 27 miles before seasoned kayaker Doug Gordon drowned. If anyone could get it done, though, it would be these seven. Most of them had been kayaking since they were children, and in recent years each had paddled close to 300 days a year. Lingren, 30, is the alpha dog of expedition kayaking, an Emmy Award-winning adventure filmmaker who has spent the last decade pulling off audacious first descents of some of the Himalayas' most daunting rivers. He specializes in river runs that combine maximum remoteness and extreme audacity, and he's done much of his paddling while hauling a 22-pound Bolex movie camera. He has an improbably perfect record for avoiding disaster and bringing everyone home intact. For the Sangpo team, he picked his closest kayaking friends, all veterans of previous Lindgren epics. South African Steve Fisher, 25, is known for his prowess in big, violent water. Mike Abbott, 29, from New Zealand, and his paddling partner, Englishman Alan Ellard, 26, are famed for wild descents, many in the Himalayas. Dustin Knapp, 24, of Jacksonville, Oregon, is the star of many of Lindgren's extreme paddling films. He has launched off so many hair-raising waterfalls and giant drops that he stopped counting. Twin brothers Johnny and Willie Kern, 29, from Stowe, Vermont, have a reputation for fearlessness. For years in the States, a truism went, if the Kern brothers won't run it, nobody will. The kayakers snugged into the tightly padded cockpits and sealed the openings with neoprene spray skirts. One by one they picked up their paddles, shoved off the sand, and glided onto the freezing waters of the Sangpo. Looking at the flat green water meandering beneath black timbered ridges at close to ten thousand feet, you wouldn't guess that just down river it shears through the wall of the Himalayas, and all hell breaks loose. Three women from Pei stood beside me. They wore belted ponchos of yak skin, and watched with the solemnity of guests at a funeral, Maybe they saw it that way. Chapter One. The Assignment. On a late August afternoon in 2001, in the Trinity Alps of Northern California, I carried my kayak up the bank of the sky-clear Cal Salmon River and stashed it with a pile of others against the wall of an equipment shed at a small lodge. It had been a fun day. I was on a week-long retreat with a group of editors from Outside Magazine, and I had been doing what I love to do as much as anything in the world, paddle with good people on a whitewater river in wild country. I began kayaking in college and had paddled with passion ever since. I had worked as a river guide, paddle maker, and kayak instructor, and in my late twenties I began to write about rivers. On assignment for magazines I traveled the world with a kayak, taking part in expeditions of varying degrees of seriousness. When I was thirty, a young New Zealander named Roy Bailey and I were the first to kayak the Muksu, a river in the old Soviet Union that flowed between the Republic's highest peaks in the Pamirs of Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. We paddled big, violent, freezing Class 5 water without mishap for seventeen days in a remote canyon. We ran out of coffee. On that warm evening in Northern California with fat bees buzzing through the beds of asters and fireweed at the edges of the lawns, the charm of the day was that this was emphatically not expedition paddling. It was as far from it as one could get without spinning around in a paddleboat at Club Med. After we stripped off our life jackets and helmets and hung them on a line behind a hammock, we ate pesto and artichokes and watched the last sunlight fire the fir trees on the highest ridge, then jumped into a wood-fired hot tub. After a while, everybody left but me and Hal Espen, outside's editor. I liked Hal. He was a bearish man, packing some extra weight, but strong. One eye went in a different direction than the other. He had sandy, tousled hair, and a soft-spoken affability. I was so relaxed in the bubbling water that I almost fell asleep. Then Hal said, We're thinking of sending you someplace, uh thrilling i sat up oh yeah have you heard of the Sangpo gorge it may have been the breath of the down valley night wind but i don't think so a wave of goosebumps spread over my shoulders yes i said three years before i had attended a memorial service for 42 year old doug gordon doug was a world-class paddler a top slalom racer who had been very kind to me when i was a beginning boater in 1998, on a National Geographic-sponsored expedition attempt on the Sang Po, only 27 miles into the gorge, Doug died paddling. He was well-loved, and on that overcast November day, the Quaker Meeting House in rural Connecticut was filled to the galleries. One of my old friends, Landis Arnold, a kayak importer, stood up and talked about Doug. His voice cracked and tears streamed down his face going to the sangpo he said is like going to the moon for a kayaker and for a century's worth of overland explorers who had repeatedly tried to penetrate it the sangpo gorge was as alien and forbidding a place as our planet could offer to commit to go there was to be willing to die oh and they won't let you paddle it hal said relieved but still confused i mumbled paddle who? Scott Lindgren, the expedition kayaker from California. He's hand-picked six of the best kayakers from around the world. Outside is a sponsor. Well, I thought, all right. Now I was really relieved. I had read the accounts of Gordon's expedition. The whitewater was so fierce, the main current down the middle so cataclysmic, that even ferrying, paddling from bank to bank, was death-defying. I had never covered a river story where I wasn't in a boat, but I was a recreational paddler now. I had no business going anywhere near the Sangpo in a kayak. What am I supposed to do? Trek through the gorge with the ground support team, Hal said. When are they leaving? There's some uncertainty about the permits, but they're shooting for mid-January. That's the... that's the middle of winter. My mind was racing. The only way out of the gorge was to claw five thousand feet over a Himalayan pass. Nobody had ever seen the pass in midwinter. Nobody, not local hunters, not explorers, would go near those passes after November or early December. They were buried in snow. And there was another problem. I couldn't walk. Not really. What neither Hal nor any of the other editors at Outside knew was that I couldn't amble three miles around the lake in front of my house in Denver without limping in pain. I'd eaten ibuprofen like popcorn and hidden the fact that I had wrecked my left hip. After years of jumping off high rocks and carrying too much weight, the joint had lost its cartilage and was bone on bone.